Hello everyone and welcome back to the Florida Prospect Report. I'm your host Bailey and I just wanted to let y'all know that this episode you're about to listen to was recorded back in September, but it never got posted so we're going to post it here. Eric and I will be discussing the best prospects that we saw play in 2021. It's going to be an in-depth discussion position by position. It is a little longer than our normal episodes will run, but stick with us as there is a ton of good information about prospects in here. We hope you enjoy! This season, Eric and I respectively have seen a lot of minor league baseball games, which means we have seen a lot of minor league baseball players. So today's podcast is just going to be about all the players we've seen, because if you're a fan of baseball, you might know some of the big name prospects. There's a lot of hidden gems in the minor leagues that you may not know of. So we're going to cover them for you today. So we're just going to jump right in and we're uh, we're going to talk about the best pitchers we saw this year. So Eric, uh, why don't you go first? Who is who are some of the better pitchers you've seen this year? All right. Uh, because of where I live, Southwest Florida, like the other side from you, the closest team to me is the Bradenton Marauders. So I saw a lot of their games in the 30s. So really the best overall pitcher that I saw in terms of consistency and stuff and ability to control at bats, really be a true number one was their, I guess, number 1A, Luis Ortiz, a tall righty. Uh, I want to say I saw seven or eight of his starts. They were all quality starts, and five of them were wins. That's incredible. So that's really, really, really impressing me. And I sat up front uh, behind the net, so I was able to see his stuff move and the sequences that worked for him. And uh, there were even times when I thought, you know, this guy, he really is kind of advanced for this level and they should move him up. But, you know, we'll talk about this later on. They won the, they won their league. So they kind of needed a strong rotation, at least three deep. And so he would have been a guy, his uh, promotion would have been questionable when they're going for the playoffs and, and they eventually won. So he's really, I would say he's the, the best one that I saw overall. Absolutely. He pitched really well in that championship series for the Bradenton Marauders, who, as you said, won the championship. And um, I would say the best pitcher I saw this year was also a pitcher in the low A Southeast League, Mm -hmm. Yuri Perez of the Jupiter Hammerheads. That kid is amazing. I saw him pitch. uh, It was his penultimate outing with the Hammerheads before he got called up to Beloit. He went four and two thirds, no hits, no earned runs, 11 strikeouts. It was just mind-blowingly good. And a fun stat about him, in his home games this year, he has an ERA below one. Like, Ooh. And this is a – I want to say he's 19 and he's pitching – he finished the year in high A. Like, this is this is a top 100 prospect, if not higher, like top 50. Just electric stuff. And everyone's going to know his name this time next year. So definitely get, on, get, on, get in on the bandwagon before everyone else does. Okay. All right. I'll match you with another guy that I think I think nobody knows about. And he really might have been, in terms of just stuff and out pitches, the best that I saw. This is a rookie leaguer on the Rays. Another righty, Antonio Jimenez. This guy is so I, – I don't know what else to say. He really is awesome. The Orioles, the day that they faced him, had no answer for him in any count, in any situation, and were lucky to make contact because uh, even at 145 pounds, you know, he's not 
a, a large person, his stuff was changing planes really more than he could get a, a, a handle on. So every at bat, lefty and righty was just so tough against him. And when you looked up, it was, I think, like four, 4.2 innings and 10 strikeouts. He just gets so many outs by way of strikeouts because hitters have no clue. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of many in that Tampa Bay rookie staff that people should start paying attention to. But I really think he's the true, the true number one of them, Antonio Jimenez. Yeah, that's impressive. And that was a really good team. They won the, – the FCL Rays won their league. And, you know, the Rays are loaded with good pitching prospects. So, you know, to pick a name that most people don't know, you know, you know he's going to be impressive. And um, I'll match you with another Rays pitching prospect who I saw for the Charleston River Dogs back in July, He, which is the low A East League. I saw Taj Bradley pitch five scoreless innings. He only allowed one base runner. He had a huge breakout year, and this is this is someone to get excited about. Uh, we're you know a race centered pro, uh, 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 podcast. Sorry. Uh, so you know uh, fans are going to want to know his name. Uh, he in high school he actually played shortstop, and then he switched to pitcher. And he, I mean, Seth Johnson did the same thing. I did not see him pitch while I was in Charleston, but luckily saw Bradley. And just his stuff is incredible. He's, uh, and his ERA this season was below three, just really good numbers. All right. I'll keep it in the Florida, in the Gulf Coast League or the Complex League. This guy wasn't as good as Jimenez, a lefty. I see this guy advancing very fast through the low minors, but he threw six perfect innings against the Orioles in a game that was scheduled for seven. So it looked like this guy was going to have an unofficial perfect game. He's a lefty, six foot two and around 200 pounds, probably over. So he's kind of big, Samuel Perez. And I talked to left-handed hitters on the Orioles rookie team that afternoon. Some of them had only played like two or three games as a pro and they had to face him. And they, they said the stuff inside, they couldn't even see it at all. And he really wasn't throwing that hard. It's just the way that he mixed it with off speed when he went inside and tried to, you know, get out pitches or finish the at bat. They really had a lot of problems. So Samuel Perez, six perfect innings. And there, I mean, it was any contact was awful contact. So he's another, uh, another guy from the very, very low minors that I see once, you know, he, he's already strong upper body and strong legs. So like I said, I really see this guy advancing through the low minors pretty quickly. I would estimate twins fans know, know who he is right now. Absolutely. That's another good one. And um, I think I'm going to give one more pitcher and I'm going to go with a multi-pitcher answer here. So first off, honorable, honorable mention to Jacob DeGrom. I saw that outing <laughs> when he carved up the Palm Beach Cardinals and, you know, three innings, no hits, um, and eight strikeouts, just incredible. But the pitcher on the other side that day, John Beller, I saw him pitch twice this year. He's a name to keep an eye on. He uh, pitched against DeGrom. He had more strikeouts than DeGrom in that game. I want to say Beller only went like five innings, but he struck out 10 batters. And he looked good every time I saw him pitch. And one other Palm Beach Cardinal, I'll throw out here a name, Edwin Nunez. Um, I saw him, I want to say two or three times and he, he needs to work on his consistency, but he throws like 98, 99 miles per hour. I think he's a reliever long-term, but
but I like his stuff. He's only 18, 19. So uh, Beller and Nunez are two names to keep an eye on in the Cardinal system. I will give my honorable mention to Chris Sale. It was his first time on the mound after Tommy John, I guess like 12 or 13 months ago, almost a year ago. So uh, one of my one of my friends got a, a hit off of him, a double. So that he'll get my honorable mention, and he's pretty good. But my final pitcher is gonna, I'm going to stay, I guess, in the rookie leagues. I, it, it would have been Nick Abel, but he didn't do that well the, the time I saw him. So I'm going to go with an Oriole and maybe start a trend of going with Orioles. But uh, a righty, Raul Rangel. And they had a better righty, Gene Pinto, and he advanced and, and he already went up. But uh, this guy was probably the most consistent starter at throwing strikes so for a guy with his first uh experience stateside he really worked in the strike zone not around it and could hit the corners and could hit the fringes for ground balls and for strikeouts that's a big part of him but the best thing was pickoffs and fielding his position he looked like a true veteran all the way around plays hit to him plays where he had to move and cover first base. It really looked like he practiced so much of pitchers fielding practice and those type of drills that the motions of covering the base and things like that came to him so naturally. So I'm a defense first guy and an Orioles fan and a couple games that he pitched in were low scoring because of his overall mound performance. So got to give him credit right here. I'm ha happy to give him credit right here. That's another uh, diamond in the rough to keep an eye on. Good name. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so now we're going to move on to catcher. We're going to talk about some of the best catching prospects we saw this year. So I'll start things off with uh, Francisco Alvarez, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He played about a month or so, probably less than a month, actually, with the St. Lucie Mets before getting promoted to high A. And I was lucky enough when I saw DeGrom pitch, Alvarez was his catcher that day. Wow. So Alvarez had two hits, one of which was a double. He looked uh, like a very professional hitter behind the plate. He was calling the pitches for DeGrom, and he was doing a nice job, looked good behind the plate. And, of course, after um, I saw him play, he got promoted, and he kept hitting bombs in the higher levels of the minor leagues. So I think Francisco Alvarez is going to end up being one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball within the next three years. Right, and he's, not, and he's 19. So yes. out of all the guys who are, like, top catching prospects, he might be the best, but he is the youngest. Yes. Uh, all right, I'll start my catchers off with, uh, let's see. You go with your I'm boy, gonna, your main guy. I get, nah, all right, I will. I, 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 this guy was so impressive. I really think that he has the whole collection of skills and intangibles to be like, if we did this show a year from now on the list for number one overall prospect. And I don't think enough people know about him. Uh, that's, uh, who Bradenton beat, Tampa, their catcher, the Yankees prospect, Antonio Gomez. Uh, I got to watch him in the rookie league before he got called up because my friend with the Yankees told me to. So I watched a couple rookie league games, and I was just – I was blown away at how advanced he is on defense. And we're from different generations, 
So the standard for defense in my life is Ivan Rodriguez. And I, I just don't know that that's going to be reached in, in today's baseball. But Gomez has, for someone so young, he really has a 70 arm in, in kind of like a marketplace where there is no 70 arms. So he really stands out right away as the best thrower. So he picks guys off behind first base, the dribblers right off the front of the mound. He throws like 90 miles an hour on a line right to the glove, either base. And he's so quick to pop up. He's very positive, a lot of good energy. He bats third, he bats fourth. He's an outstanding hitter. I mean, he's so good. I had to write an article about him, so many paragraphs. So I have an article out about him right now. It's at uh, Overtime Heroics, uh, their baseball page. But uh, really, you know, if, if, if this show was three hours long, I could talk about Gomez and some of the things that I've seen him do that are advanced all night. So I guess every other catcher that I name is not going to live up to him. But he's by far, by far, offensively and defensively and everything combined, the best catcher I saw. Yeah, absolutely. Gomez is a stud. Uh, everyone, make sure to go check out Eric's article about Gomez. It's a really good read. And I actually saw Gomez play, too. I only got to see him play one game. And the Tarpons got no hit, so I didn't get to see him show off the bat. <laughs> but I did get to see him on defense, and Eric, Eric is definitely right about his arm. I remember he uh, threw a guy out at second. It was just very impressive. So Gomez, that's a guy who's going to be a universal top 100 prospect very soon. So definitely get on the train before everyone else does. And my next catcher that I would like to talk about is Xavier Warren of the Milwaukee Brewers. I saw him back in July for the Carolina Mudcats in low A East, and he's a good looking player. Uh, he plays middle infield and catcher. I'm not sure where the Brewers like him long term um, because I know when he got drafted, there's a lot of people saying they would expect him to make a transition to shortstop. But I think there's a chance he sticks behind the plate. Either way, I think his bat could carry him through the system. He's a nice hitter. He's got good speed for a catcher, too, so that's exciting. But, yeah, Xavier Warren, not a big name that everyone knows, uh, especially from a system that has produced some good catchers recently, like Mario, Mario Feliciano and Peyton Henry. But I really do – I liked what I saw from Xavier Warren. That is a good system when you name those names. Also, speaking of speed, whenever anybody is talking about catchers and speed – Whoever put the 30 next to Adley Rochman, I've seen him sprint. I've been at minor league camp, so I've seen him do everything. He's not a 30. 30 means slow. Yeah. So I, I, I like I have to say that. I'm I'm sorry to seem so triggered, but I guess in that way I kind of I kind of am. All right. My next catcher is someone uh that I with Bradenton. So I got to see this guy about 27, 28 games. He was injured, so he didn't play every game I saw. That's Andy Rodriguez. So, uh, man, he's a switch hitter, and he's a little bit better left-handed, but he's excellent with both hands. He's very patient at the plate for someone so young. He waits till the ball gets back, and he can still control it to either field. So he's very advanced offensively for someone so young. Now, at catching – the beginning of the season, his throws were not on point. His pop-ups were crooked. And I guess that contributed to his injury or his injury affected that. And when he came back, it's almost like a new guy. 
cleaner pop-ups, faster throws, much more accurate throws. So I was even ready to say, you know, maybe that the, the Pirates should think about turning him into a corner man or, or working him in the outfield. But at the end of the year, he really came back to kind of like shut me up and, and show me that he, he can play behind the plate. Just like Gomez, very confident, very in the pitcher's faces when they need it. So a lot of baseball instinct instincts too. So uh, for the rebuilding Pirates, he really is like a nucleus piece in every way. And I didn't even know who he was until I started to go see him. So he really like jumped off the field right at me. Definitely. Andy Rodriguez is amazing. I remember when he first got traded to the Pirates from the Mets in the uh, Lucchesi deal, um, I got a text from someone that like, he knew someone in the Mets system who was very upset that they traded Andy because they were very high on Andy's talent. And I saw Andy play back in July and I agree with uh, the talent assessors ideas of him. And I agree with what you just said. He's amazing. He's a, you know, switch hitting catcher. And it's interesting, you know, there's a, uh, the Pirates have a couple decent catchers in their system now, obviously drafting Henry Davis first overall. I know you and I were talking about this the other night. I think, Andy has a chance to be the long-term catcher if he keeps hitting. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be. Right, right. Uh, well, my next catcher might be a pirate also. You want to name another one? Um, I got one left, so I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay. If Andy's not, then this guy was an even more clutch offensive performer for Bradenton down the stretch. They traded, the Pirates traded the Phillies for a reliever named Ogle, and uh, they got the catcher Abraham, it ends with an N, Gutierrez. So if Andy was the table setter for the offense down the stretch, this guy was one of the power hitters, just making minor league stadiums look very, very small. He really changed the course of the Tampa series in the second game. He got a high, he's uh, batting lefty. So it's high and inside pitch right up near his shoulder. And he belted it for a two run home run. And uh, the Yankees had taken the lead. And to that point, it, he, it was tied. And then he hit the home run that gave him a five, three lead. And then that, that was the game. So, and, and after that, it was the series. So it really was kind of like a, a clutch moment that really solidified him as someone who isn't just a minor league hitter, it's someone that's really skilled and I need to look at the total picture to see like a smart and changing organization wanted to try multiple times to acquire him. Then they finally got him. And then I see him on the field contributing to a good team and being a four hitter and being a five hitter and a, a, a good catcher behind the play too. So if Andy is not the long-term answer and if Henry Davis isn't, Abraham is going to be making some people in this competition a little less comfortable and starting with his offense. Absolutely. Abraham's a very exciting player. And right. um, yeah, he was very helpful to the Marauders in their championship run. And uh, I've got one less, one last catcher to mention for this segment. And it's going to be William Contreras, little brother of Wilson. I originally saw him play back in 2019 for the Florida fire frogs, rest in peace to them since the fire frogs <laughs> don't exist anymore. But um he looked pretty good back in 2019. Uh, I got one look at him. was supposed to see him again the following week, but he got called up, so bad luck there. But luckily, got to see him again back in July 2021. 
and uh, he looked like a better version of what I saw in 2019, which is always good. Uh, he made some improvements, and um, the it, so he was pay, playing for the Gwinnett Stripers when I saw him. It was against the Charlotte Knights, and the Knights were throwing some good pitchers that day, but he made some good swings, and he had at least one hit. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get to see him behind the plate because Alex Jackson was the catcher yeah. that night. Another uh, Braves catcher who is now a Marlin uh, saw a lot of time in the major leagues in the past month or two. Not much success, but yeah. So I saw Alex Jackson and William Contreras for the Braves back in July. So far, our pitchers and catchers got some pretty good names, but really, my list starts right now. <laughs> <laughs> Eliminating guys off the, off the middle infielders is very tough and everyone on my list from rookie leagues up has serious star potential i want i wonder we didn't even talk about this how many of our guys are going to be the same on this list yeah so go ahead start with your best middle oh man my my top two are so good go ahead and start with your best middle infielder yeah this is where the this is where it gets really exciting there's a lot of good players to choose from I could say Mason Wynn because uh, he definitely could be the best player I saw this year. But the most exciting, uh, I think I have to go with Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, just wow. I don't even know where to begin wow. on him. Like, Ellie De La Cruz is the most exciting prospect, period, that I saw this year. And he might be the most exciting prospect I've seen in a couple of years. Just um, So when I first saw him was back in July, and he turned a routine single into a double just out of nowhere. And then my dad turned to me and was like, did you see that? that, Why, how is he so fast? And like, we had never heard of Dela Cruz when we got to the game back in mid July. Like this was not like a big time prospect, but my dad, he was like, that guy is fast. And like Dela Cruz is big. Like he's, I want to say like six, three, six, four. And he's like a big guy, but he, uh, he runs really well. And so uh, a month goes by, there's a lot of big articles coming out. Like, Hey, keep an eye on Ellie Dela Cruz. This guy is really talented. So we finally saw him. We got a second look at him back in September. And we were both just simply blown away at what we saw. First off, defensively, having, you know, like a 6-4 catcher is always very helpful. He made, I want to say, five defensive plays that night that made us go, wow. And that I don't think other uh, shortstops could make. Like Wander Franco, absolute stud. There was a play Ellie De La Cruz made that no one, like Wander simply could not make because he's not as tall as Ellie. Like it was, it should have been a double. Ellie jumped into the air, grabbed the ball out of the air, threw a guy out at second, and it should have been a double play if the second baseman wow. turned the ball quickly. But I mean, just defensively, I was really, really impressed with Ellie De La Cruz. And now the fun part is his hitting. Um, I want to say Ellie De La Cruz hit the hardest baseballs I've seen all year. Just, you know, I, I think he had like two singles in the game and they were both over 105 miles per hour. His, um, and then he just, he has such a clean swing and uh, he's now getting recognition from big sites like Fangraphs already has him as a top 75 prospect in the entire game, which definitely confirms what I saw with my own eyes. But um, what I, yeah, so the, I think Del, Ellie De La Cruz can be a true superstar uh, if his plate approach improves as he goes up the ranks, of the minor leagues, because I think everything else in his profile is beyond exceptional. So if he can just, you know, watch his walk rate, watch his strikeout rate, I think he's a true superstar. And he's already shown an expert like you, the ability to improve. Yes. You know, that's really important when you talk about climbing the ladder. Um, my first guy is going to be Mason Wynn. 
Yep. And amazingly, I saw him play. I won every game for their six-game series. It was the week that Jordan Walker was put on the minor league disabled list. So I, I hadn't, I, I have not seen him at all. And I have a feeling he'd be on the list yeah. if, if I did. But I did see when I saw him actually warm up as a pitcher and play the game as a leadoff, or play one of the games as a leadoff hitter and a shortstop. He actually did not have that good of a week offensively. But in the field, you could tell that he's advanced. He throws the ball extremely hard. He throws the ball with excellent accuracy, especially compared to his, his age. It looks like he just came off the practice field every single rep he takes so that it doesn't jump off the, the field and, 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 you know, super excite you. But there's a lack of errors and there's a lack of bad footwork and there's a lack of bad positioning and it is the lower minors. So part of me is kind of somewhat expecting that. So there's that. And he's so fast. He really is a great accelerator out of the box. And he can use his athleticism on the bases. So I knew when I was seeing him, his average was actually really low. It was in the 160s, not even the 190s. So I knew when I was seeing him, he had yet to hit his stride. But he really was showing all the signs of being a very head above the rest of his competition type player once he does. And for the rest of the year, he kind of did. He wasn't great, but he wasn't overwhelmed. And he showed he's going to be a, a player to follow for the future. So even though he wasn't doing that well when I saw him, number one infielder and maybe number 12, 13, 14 pitcher, even though he really didn't even pitch. Yeah. Yeah, Mason Wynn's very exciting, a two-way player for the Palm Beach Cardinals. And fun fact, when I saw him play, it was against Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom went three innings, eight strikeouts. You know, the only one who didn't strike out, Mason Wynn. He grounded out, which uh, <laughs> on, on surface does not sound exciting. But when you're the only player in the lineup who didn't strike out to DeGrom, that's DeGrom. something special. So um, also, I want to say, I don't know if I said it earlier, Ellie De La Cruz is a player for the Daytona Tortugas so, uh, in the Cincinnati Reds farm system. So just wanted to make sure I threw that out there. And... So my next best middle infielder, since he took my number two with Mason Wynn, is going to be Jose Salas of the Miami Marlins. Uh, this was an international signee back in 2019, and he got his first taste of professional baseball this year, and he uh, lit it up in the FCL, uh, earned a promotion to Jupiter, where I saw him play two or three times, and he has a very nice swing. He got a couple hits in uh, the games I saw him and uh, good exit velocities. He's only 18, so um, I, I believe that right. He's either 18 or 19, but really young for the, the level he's playing at. And yeah, just a really clean swing. Um, I, you know, it's, it's really nice going to games in Jupiter because you can sit uh, so close to the players and just you know take it all in. And um, defensively, um, he mainly played shortstop when I saw him and uh, uh, there wasn't a ton of balls hit his way, but when they were his way, he got the job done. So uh, nothing negative I can say about his defense. But um, back when I back in September, someone on Twitter asked me who you like more, Ellie Dela Cruz or Jose Salas, and I would say Dela Cruz. However, I would say these are both prospects on the rise who you should keep an eye on. I think they're both going to be uh, productive major leaguers, and 
Yeah, Jose Salas of the Marlins, definitely a player to get excited about. Both stay at shortstop? I think it's more likely Salas stays at shortstop uh, just because of Ellie's size. But defensively, Ellie De La Cruz is so good, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed at shortstop either. My next guy, I think, could play second or short. And the more I think back on him, I'm realizing that I saw him in the rookie leagues in 2019. The Orioles were the champions. Uh, the teams they play in the rookie leagues, by the way, just for reference, are Red Sox, Braves, Rays, and Pirates. So it's not really a, a, a lot of teams, a big uh, group to look at. But Cavaco, Kiani Cavaco, and the, uh, he's the Twins organization. This year I saw him, I want to say nine games, ten games, somewhere around there with Fort Myers. Now, I don't want to sound disparaging. Fort Myers, the times I saw them were not a really competitive team or lineup. It's and it wasn't based on anything. It was just the teams they were playing were a little bit a little bit better than them. Defensively, they were poor, but defensively, he was not poor. A, a great example was there was a day where there was some kind of pitcher, and then the pitcher that relieved him, they were giving up a lot of fly balls. So sometimes not fly ball. Fort Myers was not doing a good job because of the high sky of securing fly balls and several were dropped and several were errors. When the time came for them to be hit near Cavaco, you could hear him yell other guys off and you could just see like, stop worrying about everything else. This one's mine. I got this, you know, a confident out getter. And that really kind of formed my, the foundation of who he is. And then I got to watch him hit in the rookie leagues. He got hits, but they were, to the begin to the front of the power alley like you know he's just not not built his physical development from then till now you know it's not a full season and it included covid but it's significant he gained a lot of weight and he's a, he's not a small guy so he's got power he's got confidence and he's got defensive ability relative to his peers so if there was mason win cavaco would have impressed me with just his 2021 but I also get to see the growth from 2019 to now. And it really has been a lot. He, you know, I, I'm, I'm realizing I, the more I think about it, there's going to be a lot of twins guys that I, that I talk about that are like superstars. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I unfortunately did not get to see Kavaka this year. The two times I went to see the mighty muscles, he was one time was injured and one time was on the restricted list. So did not see him play either game, but uh, you talking about Kavaka reminded me of another mighty muscle middle infielder who I would like to talk about, and that is Edward Julian. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, so it was really interesting to me because um, back in June, I went to see the mighty muscles uh, against the Palm Beach Cardinals, and I was there to see Aaron Sabato, Misael Urbina, uh, Jordan Walker, I believe was still on the team. Yes, Jordan Walker for the Palm Beach Cardinals and Mason Wynn. So those were like the four main guys I was going to see. And you know what? Edward Julian really uh, stood out to me that game. And um, he's just, he's a uh, you know, very complete player. And what I really liked about him is uh, he's a high on base guy. He draws a lot of walks and very fun to watch on the base path, steals a lot of bases. So uh, the one game I saw him play, he uh, looked really good. Um, and I didn't know who he was, honestly, before I got to that game. I was there to see some of the other Twins' top prospects like Urbina and Sabato. But Julian stood out the most to me. He got promoted like a week or two later, and then I started seeing some articles come out like, hey, 
keep an eye on Edward Julian. This is a, you know, potential breakout prospect for the twins. And I was like, Hey, I saw him two weeks ago. He looked really good. So uh, yeah, Edward Julian, I don't, I can't remember how he performed once he got to high A, but I want, I don't think he completely floundered. Um, so I, he's a guy I really liked when I saw. I think when I look at his numbers overall for the season, they're good and they include a lot of home runs too. Yes. Yes. So, and also, isn't that kind of funny how we, we see guys and then like two or three weeks later, there's an article and like, wait, that person who wrote that, they weren't there. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> that does happen. Like this season, I want to say more than once a week. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Let's see. Who's next? Who's next? I want to go back to the rookie leagues. Man, I'm going to read all the names when, when we're done. I'm going to read everyone that I didn't include. But this, this is a, another guy in the pirate system that is, uh, I guess I'll give him the ultimate sign of respect. When I got to the stadium and I saw that he was in the lineup, it made me mad because I knew he was going to do something good. And he did every single time, every time he had a 100% frustration rate with me. Uh, his name is Tsai che Cheng. Chung Cheng. His last name is Cheng. C-H-E-N-G. And he's a shortstop for Pittsburgh. He was on their uh, FCL gold team. And he was their three hitter. Uh, so what I saw was a guy with kind of a, he's not tall and he's not large and he doesn't have an upright stance, but he has outstanding and advanced strike zone control. He did not swing at any bad pitch the whole the whole time. I think I saw him play 13 games, 14 games, a lot. Um, and he can make adjust in-pitch adjustments when you watch him in slow-mo. So he really is an advanced hitter. This is a guy that at the very beginning of the year, I was just like, you know, I know Bradenton's roster. They got to find a spot for this guy. He, he belongs on it, you know. The Pirates' black rookie team had their draftees from this year. They didn't have that good of a record. The gold team had a couple of Bradenton fringe guys and rookie leaguers from years past, and they did have a good record. And he was their best hitter. So I thought he was ready for Bradenton, but I guess they had a good roster without him. Again, it's verified by their championship season. But Chang, next year on Bradenton, I fully expect him to be a table setter and somebody that fans are going to love supporting the, the pirates are really making moves in the, uh, the Asian player market. And Chang is just one of a few really skilled examples. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, another good example would be uh Po Yu Chen of the Braden's Marauders. He Absolutely. Uh, really good numbers this year, but yeah, like this is why I was so excited uh, for this episode is just guys like Chang, like, you know, coming from one of the top farm systems in the league, the uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, and how many people even know who Chang is? Like, um, It should, so, man. It's right? the ultimate sign of respect. Trust me. <laughs> I don't want to play against him. That, yeah. They should. They should. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, so uh, these this is why I'm excited to talk about some names that not everyone knows. And um, I think I'm going to round out the middle infield with a, a speed run of just uh, three – three names that I really like seeing. So uh, real quick, we're going to go with Jose Rodriguez of the Chicago White Sox. Saw him for the Canapolis Cannonballers. 
Marcelo Meyer of the FCL Red Sox. And uh, there's a lot of names left on my list I can go with. I'm going to say, man, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Alika Williams of the race. So briefly, <laughs> yeah. so briefly on all three players, I'm going to say Jose Rodriguez. I was really excited to see him play because when I was in Carolina um, before the game, he was the flashiest name on the roster. I was like, okay, let's see what all the hype was about. And he played that day for the Cannonballers and he looked really good. Um, he's one of the fastest rising players in the White Sox farm system. I think this could be a true power speed threat uh, for the White Sox if he can manage his strikeout and walk rate. Uh, next up, uh, Marcelo Meyer. I saw him last week with the FCL Red Sox, top draft prospect from the 2021 draft. Uh, the you know selected top five by the Red Sox. Unfortunately for me, in a doubleheader, he went. I want to say it was like over five, over six. So did not get to see him hit, but he made solid contact like three or four times one of which uh he was robbed by the fcl twins of a really good hit so what are you gonna do there but he did steal a base which was nice to see him uh running on the base path and then finally gonna round it out with alika williams uh williams really impressed me because as a race fan i do like uh, i liked alika williams uh but i was not sure uh before i saw him play you know what kind of hitter is he because you know in college was it you know like a defense first guy but after watching Leak Williams play, I was more than impressed, was not expecting him to be as uh, exciting as he was. He gives me Taylor Walls vibes in a way, Ooh, in the sense, okay. like, yeah, because obviously Walls, best defender in the race farm system, now that he's about to graduate, I think Alika Williams is the best uh, defensive player in the race farm system. And I think Alika Williams can have a similar de uh, trajectory development-wise in the sense that he just grows into a little bit of power, but keeps making contact and stealing bases. That's basically what Taylor Walls did back in 2019. He was already a good contact hitter, and then he grew into like 10, 15 home run power. That's a complete player if you're going to be an elite defender. So I was pleasantly surprised by Alika Williams when I saw him for the Charleston River Dogs back in July. The Rays pick guys with defensive first profiles and let them blossom into who, who they are. I've heard great things about Alika from other people who make salaries and get paid, but your testimony is just as effective. All right, to finish out my shortstops, I'm going to name three quick ones too and describe them, and then I'll, I'll name the other ones without describing them. But Orioles traded Richard Blyer at the beginning of their rebuild to the Marlins for Isaac DeLeon. Isaac DeLeon this year is finally stateside. I got to see him play shortstop, and uh, it's hard to find a comp for a guy who plays aggressive defense, but he's throwing his glove at the grounders. He's putting himself in position to field grounders, kind of like a football player. His approach to defense is kind of like full body and maybe needs to tone down a little, but it's a welcome change in an organization where the minor leaguers have been sleepwalking for a couple seasons. So DeLeon is a young athlete who showed leadership. He's fine at the plate. He only had one home run, but he had a couple of rookie league balls that could have been a home run. So Isaac DeLeon on the Orioles is one of them. The other two are from the low A Southeast. And it's so cool that they're completely different from people that you've said, but you're going to agree they both belong here. First, is the guy that I counted out after college, Casey Martin. And the more that on the Clearwater, the more that I watch him, 
everybody talked about how great of a hitter he is and uh, aluminum bat worries and concerns and stuff like that. He is an outstanding footwork shortstop around the bag. His tosses on double plays and his positioning and, and angles to the bag are so elite. It reminded me of like Ozzie Smith wow. from the 80s. So right, yeah, I'm watching this guy expecting to not see anything and just everything is so, it's like an artist. So Casey Martin had to find his way onto my list. And then everybody says, I hate the Blue Jays, but this guy from Dunedin was so good at offense and defense. I had, I bought baseball cards the night I saw him. Aurelvis, yep. he is so good, so good. Uh, Aurelvis Martinez for a not large player at controlling the strike zone and using torque to make regular pitches go farther and faster than they should. So I really don't like the Blue Jays, but this guy is like screaming skill and future development right at me. So those are the three. The guys I'm not going to talk about are Alexander Vargas, the Cuban shortstop from the Yankees, Marcelo Meyer from the Red Sox, uh, Volpe, Volpe, he was on yep. Tampa uh, early in the season. Noah Miller, the draft pick from the yeah, round from this year from Minnesota. Trey Sweeney, who also you know I consider him a shortstop, and Bradenton's shortstop, uh, Esco Michael Escoto, yes. who's outstanding at speed and defense, and was like a serious linchpin, like an extra leadoff hitter, sometimes batting ninth. So those are the guys I don't get to talk about but I put on my list because they really stood out. So yeah, what a well, great list. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, two quick things on that. First off, I had Miller and Escado on my list too. I was expecting you to say one of them, so I'm glad you shouted them out at the end. Those are two exciting hitters. And you nailed it on Escado. I saw him. He was the nine hitter, the, uh, the game I saw him with the Marauders. So, yeah, and then just a quick rant about Orelvis Martinez. I got to see Dunedin once oh, this year, right. and – Martinez was not in the lineup, Geraldo was not in the lineup, and Leo Jimenez not in the lineup. I was so annoyed. I saw Dunedin play and their three best players are not in the lineup. But everything I've seen and read about Orelvis Martinez is just off the paper good. So Yo, Geraldo yeah. would probably be like my first guy that wasn't on the list. Yeah. So I don't officially, I don't just have bias that is, uh, you know, I don't use bias against the Blue Jays. I, I let their players impress me. All right, glad to hear that. And uh, yeah, so that rounds out the middle infield. A lot of big names were mentioned. And now we're going to move on to the corner infield. So, Eric, who is the best corner infielder you saw in the minor leagues this year? This is not even a question. It's someone from your side of Florida. And I got to meet his parents and watch. Uh, that would be 2020, I think, fourth round pick yep. of the Orioles, third baseman Kobe Mayo. Now, he's tall, so there's athleticism concerns. I'm sitting. The seats where they put us at, at Ed Smith Stadium are third base. So I'm watching him right in front of me, inning after inning, put out after put out. Is he quick? Can he go down and transfer the ball? Is there any delay as he puts on muscle and gets bigger? This guy, I'm not going to say he's Brooks Robinson, but at third base – he knows exactly what to do because he's been the guy that's good at baseball at every year of his development. Now he's 19. I cannot wait to see the distance on his home runs at 23 and 24. So 
I mean, thrilling. You want to talk about in-pitch adjustments and the ability to do things when he makes contact, velocity and angle. So, I mean, he's – I talk about nucleus pieces. It's really hard for me to gather my thoughts when I think about Kobe Mayo, but I'm an Orioles fan, and we need serious power studs to build around. And every single game that I saw, he's that. So he's definitely the most exciting corner that, that I saw for, for this season. Absolutely. I was so excited when the Orioles drafted him. He's, you know, from the same city as me. And um, I was hoping to make it to an FCL Orioles game before he got called up. But unfortunately, I didn't. But through your Twitter, I got to see plenty of clips of him mashing baseballs. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and Gunnar Henderson on the left side of the Orioles infield in a couple of years. Those are some exciting hitters they've got um, coming along. And as for me, the best corner infielder I saw uh, in the minor leagues this year has to be Jordan Walker. Um, yeah, I got to see him play twice. And he is a huge dude. Like, he's just <laughs> tall. He's uh, built strong. Just uh, And he's, he's really fun watching him hit baseballs. Like, when he makes contact, it is loud. And defensively, he can hold his own over at third base. I was very impressed with his defense as well. And it's just really fun because he's another one of those players. I saw him play, and, you know, he was, like, not a nationally talking about prospect yet. I saw him, like, back in, like, May, early June. And then, like, late June uh, and then July, everyone's talking. Jordan Walker, top 100 prospect. You know, this guy's a great power hitter. And I was like, yeah, I saw that two months ago. Like, Jordan Walker, just everything I've read about him confirms what I saw with my own eyes. Just Jordan Walker is just such an exciting hitter. I, I, I know the week that I was going to see him, there were friends of mine that work for other major league teams that were like, we're going to Bradenton when he comes around because, you know, they don't want to drive all the, all the way across the state. So they were very excited to see him. These are guys that get paid to, to know other teams. And he just didn't get to, to full health at that point in the season. So uh, I guess it, it was a letdown. Uh Let's see, my next guy, my next, all right, my next guy is someone that I'm very happy to promote and talk about. Really, he is the reason that I followed the Marauders so much, because the first time I went, this guy showed me something that's very unique, and uh, it's third baseman slash first baseman Alexander Mojica. Mojica is, he just turned 19. I guess I should know that. I set the reminder in my phone for, for his birthday, but he's very young. He really was not a full-time player. Uh, he's kind of a large guy, a wide guy. Physically, he resembles like Panda, like Sandoval, but he's uh, not, he, he's an excellent thrower. And he's a good third baseman, an adequate third baseman. He's not that skilled at first. He's not the kind of guy that you, he's not a target. I guess that he's better at getting the grounder and throwing the grounder than he really is at positioning to feel the throw at first. But really, this is a guy whose bat and big legs and huge hip turn and torque is going to define his career. The home run that he hit the first game that I saw was 386 feet and it was not on a fast fastball and it was not a powerful swing. 
he just touched it the right way and turned his hips at the right time and it went over the left field wall and my brain said to me this is someone you're going to pay a lot of attention to and the more that I went the more that I saw the developmental the, the development of offensive skills can he hit singles through the infield can he go the opposite way so for a young guy who really has a slugger profile towards the end of the season there were more and more elements shining through that yeah he's a whole field hitter so Alex Mojica slots in very close to me behind Kobe Mayo yeah I was looking forward to you talking about Mojica I know you're really high on him and oh. I love the I uh, love the panda comp uh, physically speaking that's a, I, I definitely agree with you there and right. if, if anyone wants to uh, do something fun Google Alexander Mojica's 2019 Decim uh, Dominican Summer League stats some of the best offensive stats you will see in a season. I know the pitching in that league is subpar to say the least, but the, the power numbers and his WRC plus in that league was just off the charts good. So that's uh, that's very exciting. And my next corner infielder is going to be on the complete opposite side of the spectrum from Mojica in terms of age, as this is a 24-year-old third baseman. But I'm really high on him. Bennett Hostetler of the Jupiter Hammerheads. He was an 18th round pick in the 2021 MLB draft out of North Dakota State. So he, he turned 24 a couple days ago. So he was older for a low A Southeast player. But, you know, you can't really hold that against him. He's playing where he was assigned and he raked. He hit 337 average, 369 on base percentage, three home runs, and that was in 27 games. And I remember I was going to, to a game to see – him play no not him sorry I went I went to a game to see Jose Salas play and to see Colt Keith of the Detroit Tigers and I think besides Salas the most impressive player on the field was Hostetler and I know he was a little older uh, compared to the competition but this dude just hits and he had the game winning hit that day and it was a nice it was a nice piece of contact and I was really looking forward to get another live look at him because I was just honestly really impressed and then like Literally the day before I was supposed to see Jupiter um, two weeks ago, he got called up to Beloit. I was like, man, on mm. one hand, I'm annoyed. I don't get to see him play again. But on the other hand, you know, he deserved it. And um, in Beloit, he had a uh, 359 on base percentage. So still got on base a lot. His batting average dipped a little bit to 265, but still two home runs. And it was a small sample size of, you know, 39 plate appearances. But I, uh, yeah, Bennett Hostetler, 18th round pick from the Miami Marlins. He's a guy who might, you know, might be a potential breakout player in 2022. I'm going to bring it back down to your age tier. <laughs> Under, uh, even younger than Kobe, but not as young as Mojica, probably the same birth year. Orioles corner, uh, who played a little short, but much, much better for me. And remember, I'm watching those close seats with the Orioles. That's 19-year-old uh, uh, Moises Ramirez. I was on a podcast earlier in the season, and uh, this was when I had seen, I guess, five weeks less of him than I've seen now. And my comp, also physically based, was young Miguel Cabrera. Wow. A third baseman that's hitting for a lot of power, but hitting for average just because that's what they do. They, there's not a lot of 0 for 5 games. There's a lot of 2 for 5 games or one for three games with two walks. So extremely advanced offensive package for someone so young. But 
this is someone that I've kind of been tracking since the Orioles acquired him a couple years ago. He was their most well-rounded offensive performer in the Dominican League. Didn't have that much power. This year, he brought a little, a, a little power. Clearing the fence several times. I actually have some of those home run balls right here. I'm very, very proud. So uh, uh, there's that aspect of it. But he was, the Orioles had two rookie league teams. One was the black, and Kobe Mayo was pretty much the primary third baseman. The other was the orange with a much worse record. Ramirez was the primary third baseman. Very positive attitude all the time, communicating with teammates, communicating with coaches, communicating with other teams. So didn't let the losses affect him and just showed that the grind of the season, the little nagging injuries and things like that are not going to affect him or make him have a bad at bat or a bad sequence. So the stats in the game are there, but again, not to the level of Gomez, but a lot of intangible, really positive things. So he's someone, you know, his first time in the United States, an excellent rookie league performer. He is a A-level player right now. So, you know, very positive for the Orioles to see. And I know him, so I'm kind of like very, very proud of him also. And I, as much as I want to see him in Sarasota, and need players to like update me on when games are canceled and stuff like that. I definitely don't, you know, he'll be in affiliate ball. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting to hear. And I'm going to take it back to uh, an older player. He was uh, same age as Hostetler this season, a 23 year old in the low A Southeast league, Jacob Bushberger saw him play a lot. Yeah. So I saw him play, I want to say at least four times before he got called up and he is very impressive. A uh, 308 batting average, 392 on base percentage. Right. Um, there was a string back in like May or June where he had like two weeks straight. I want to say with like a like like uh, like five or six multi-hit games. Like he was just uh, like otherworldly good for the Palm Beach Cardinals. I know he is older than the competition, but just uh, he was an undrafted player, and I really really liked what I saw from him offensively and defensively for the Palm Beach Cardinals. And it's really funny, you know, I'm going to a game to see a guy like Mason Wynn or Jordan Walker. And I walk away like, yo, Jacob Bushberger, he's pretty good too. And, you know, unfortunately in 21 games in high A, I did not have the best of performances, but I think, you know, maybe he'll get another chance in high A or double A next year. And hopefully he can make some adjustments because the player I saw when he was in low A was really exciting. That's a good one. I saw, when I saw Buckberger, I want to say, he was against a veteran pitcher and he took more than two or three like close pitches takes and they all resulted in walks for him. And I was like, man, either this guy has a great eye or he knows every umpire and has a good relationship with the umpire because they were so close. So that's the impression I got of, uh, of uh, Buckberger. Uh, my next corner is someone who... He is a Yankee because remember, we, we don't see every single team. So this is a Yankee I saw in the rookie leagues and for uh, Tampa. This is a guy, you know, I, I don't want to like stereotype, but it's a large person with a lot of holes in their swing and they have him at corner. It's Anthony Garcia is his name. And he is fully responsible for hitting the farthest home run that I saw this year was 475 feet 
the videos are like he's posting it on social media it's the one where they were wearing their like latin american uniforms i'm in the front row <laughs> of the video i'm watching it being hit i'm filming it so it's awesome but i i've seen like in only six games i want to say i think he has three or four home runs wow there's a lot of holes in his swing his hand positioning where he starts the swing is a little i don't want to say awkward but it kind of takes power instead of giving it power so i have a feeling that that's going to change over time but uh and also something that might change is his position he plays first but he doesn't do it well in fact a horrible play in the first game of the tampa bradenton series uh bradenton grounded into a a regular grounder and it would have been the third out of the inning a shortstop made a nice play i think it was uh sweeney made a great play a great throw garcia the ball's in his glove it just popped out of his glove and two batters later three runs scored and that was a lot of momentum for for that game really kind of like so there were times where his defense and his lack of defensive ability really hurt his team so i i think maybe teach him to watch and track fly balls in right field just might be an easier process for him but this is six foot five 225 pounds and basically all the teams that i saw had a corner profiling like that but he had the most power and could display it in game so for baseball card people and dynasty people anthony garcia kind of like mojica and kobe they're huge future uh home run hitters and you know in a small stadium like camden yards if garcia had 500 at bats I mean, that's, that's 40 plus. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Garcia is a fun player. And the one game I saw him play was the same day I saw Antonio Gomez and they got no hit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So did not get to see uh, much of Garcia. I got to see him strike out, but um, you know, I, it's still nice to see, you know, get them get at bats because you can still uh, look at their mechanics and stuff. But yeah, so kind of funny. And um, I'm going to round out my corner infield with uh, just three quick names. So we're going to go with Reese Hines of the Daytona Tortugas, Lewin Diaz of the Jupiter, sorry, not Jupiter, Jacksonville, Jumbo Shrimp. And uh, let's go with Colt Keith for the Lakeland Flying Tigers. So briefly on all three, Reese Hines, uh, he mashes baseballs. Um, <laughs> he does. Power hitter. The game I saw him play, I believe he hit a ball like 106 miles per hour. It was a double. Farthest hit ball of the game was hit off the wall. Just absolute stud as a, as a power hitter. Not sure where he profiles defensively. I think the one time I saw him play, he was a – oh, no, he wasn't – actually, he was a third baseman that game. He was not the designator. He was the third baseman, and he made two good plays at third base. So, uh, you know, it's a small sample size uh, defensively, but from what I saw, he looked good there. And then we get to Lewin Diaz. I originally saw him back in 2018 with the Fort Myers Miracle is what they were called back then. Then I saw him with the Miracle again in 2019. Then I saw him at the Florida State League All-Star Game 2019. So I was very familiar with him going into this game. Saw him in 2020 before COVID hit. I saw him play for the the Miami Marlins in spring training. So this is a guy I've seen play a lot. And then I saw him again in 2021 July in AAA, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And he is as good as advertised. He had a home run that game. 
and he's just such an exciting player. I think he can be a long-term first baseman for the Miami Marlins. He's a great power hitter. I feel like 25 home runs a year is definitely achievable. Uh, you know, he needs to work on the defense, but I think, I think he's good enough to be a first baseman for them, especially they're rolling with Aguilar this year who had all those RBIs. I think when Lewin Diaz hits his prime, I think he could be just as good as Aguilar. So very excited about what I saw with Lewin Diaz. And real quick on Colt Keith, uh, I saw him right before he got promoted to high A, and he's a, a very good hitter, uh, gets on base a lot. And, yeah, just a really seamless swing. So Colt Keith from the Lakeland Flying Tigers. My last guy is a name that we've mentioned and another home, home run hitting uh, profile a guy who would not have made this list, but for his second half of the season improvement, uh, Sabato. The first half of the season, his bat was slow. He didn't look athletic. He didn't move athletic. He was that good target over at first base that Garcia wasn't. So it wasn't like he was showing zero. His team, like I said before, they weren't that good at defense. He was the dependable defender. So it, like I said, he established a baseline, but the more I watched him during the season, it looks like he did a good job with physical development, changing some of his fat to muscle for lack of a better term, and that influencing his contact and his power. So this is a guy, and, and, and when I went to games, I would talk to people about, hey, this guy is slow. This guy's, you know, he moves slow. And other scouts and other people would agree with me and say the same thing. It's almost like it became consensus and I'm not a big consensus guy. So I, I, I was like, wow, I hope he kind of like breaks out and does something. And the more I watched him, the more he became like a good solid cleanup hitter for, for low a. So his future looks or his ceiling looks a little more established. Now the other names that I'm not going to go into, they're all rookie leaguers and they're all big guys, and they're all names that people would not recognize. Um, Edinson Paulino on the or on the uh, Red Sox had 20 uh, extra base hits this year, which is a lot for a rookie league season or a rookie league player. No taters, no home runs. So that's something to look at. Uh, the Rays have a big guy, a big corner who didn't do well when I saw him, but had another. If, uh, looking back at the game logs. He performed well. Fredville Chavez at, at first. And a guy who I said last night I wasn't going to mention, but he's just too good. Willie Chavez, who's now, I think he's at Charleston, maybe third or catcher. But in the rookie leagues, he was third, and he played well against the Orioles. And another guy who I watched in uh, 2019, and I watch now, and his improvement has been slow but there has been some improvement. That's Makai Backstrom, the big uh, lefty corner for the Braves. I guess big is really kind of like an understatement. He's very, for a baseball player, he really looks like a defensive end. Uh, a really neat story about him. He had one at bat against the Orioles where he fouled off like five or six balls in a row. And I was just thinking, these foul balls are going out of the stadium. They're not landing like on the sidewalk or right on the other side of the wall. They're so high and so far away. They're in a field across the street. So after the game, I walked to the field and there were three right there, <laughs> like in a parking lot where Orioles empl employees park. 
So I guess that's really not a great way to track improvement. Yeah. But in 2019, he seemed really lost. This year, he seems like a contributor. So the development is slow, but man, what that athleticism could do one day is really kind of exciting. So he, he, might, he might be the only guy that, that made my list, not by what he's done, by what the potential could be. Yeah, definitely. Um, Backstrom's very exciting power hitter. And um, before we move on to outfield, just want to briefly throw in one more name. Brian Ramos of the Canapolis Cannonballers, a really fun power hitter, and uh, got to see him play one game. And he looked really good. So just wanted to briefly mention him, want to do him some justice. But now we're going to move on to the final position we're going to talk about today, which is outfielders. So, yeah, Eric, who is the best outfield prospect that you saw in 2021? This list comparatively is not that good. But this player is someone that they just demanded my attention from the very first fly ball hit in their range and how they pursued it. I don't know if I'm going to say it right. It's a Hawaiian name. Kaili Rosario played left field for the twins, the games that I saw him. And one of them I got to watch with his father and his grandfather. So they told me a little bit about him and his development but they were very into the game, so I wasn't trying to interrupt them. He's um, six foot two, 200 pounds, so he'll probably end up 215, 220 range. But so he's big for someone so young. He moves so fast. He moves like a fast track athlete. His contact was so loud. His at bats were so patient. He uh, he hit one home run that. To, to right center, he hit a home run in front of his dad, which is awesome, to, to right center, and it, it got out as fast as, like, a big leaguer sending it out. So his arm from the outfield, his pursuit of fly balls, he, he, he made good catches, like falling forward and going to his side, his loud contact, his controlling the strike zone, every single thing considered. As much as I love Gomez, Rosario was the guy that I really think just player. I think he was the best player that I saw this year. Wow. And I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if I should regret letting you go first because I think I was going to pick Rosario too as my uh, <laughs> I uh, saw him last week, um, and he played at JetBlue Park. If you guys are not familiar, JetBlue Park is mini Fenway, so it has the same dimensions as, dimensions as Fenway Park. In Kylie Rosario's first at-bat of the game, he hit a ball dead center field over the wall, like loud contact. And just, this was not your average dead center field home run. This was like a Fenway home run. Can you imagine a player hitting a ball to dead center field at Fenway park? And, you know, Kyler Rosario is super young and he, he did that at JetBlue park. So I was just really impressed. So I was going to, I was going to talk about Rosario too. So a really exciting player. And, um, so I guess my next best uh, outfielder uh, besides Rosario is uh, a couple to choose from, but you know what? I'm going to go with a name that uh, everyone might not know. Alan Serta of the Daytona Tortugas, uh, okay. Cincinnati Reds prospect, a big time power hitter. I saw him play, I want to say twice this season. And in the second game, he had a mammoth home run to left field. 
And um, he had like another extra base hit in that game. He's really sound offensively, makes uh, really good contact. And defensively, he is a, he's really exciting in the outfield. I, I feel like every week uh, after he got promoted from the Tortugas to the Dane Dragons, I feel like every week I was seeing the Dragons posting highlights of him making diving catches uh, in that outfield. So I feel like he's a, a really exciting player. And I think Alan Surt is going to be a top 100 prospect at every site this time next year. That's my bold prediction about Alan Serta. Okay. My guy is someone that I'm going to estimate every single person listening to this show has heard of and has a lot of baseball cards of. But I'm going to talk about a little bit, a little bit differently. Dominguez, Jason Dominguez. Yep. There's a lot of people – a lot of intelligent people that would look at his season and look at the stats and look at the performance and say it was a letdown. And I would really extremely, very strongly disagree. There's a lot of hype around him. I don't know if that hype is justified for anyone ever, but this is an outstanding baseball player and a guy who takes, I don't want to say extraordinary, but really unique athleticism and has no problem translating it to the baseball field whatsoever. So the stats and the walks and the at-bats and the average and how the baseball events end up doesn't really tell the story. I got to watch him a lot. This guy throws the ball from the outfield like a pitcher. You can hear it sizzle. He makes runners think twice about taking the extra base. So that's, that's one thing. He hits it really fast, even when it's out. You can tell his velocity is all 90-plus, even when it's right at someone. So as a hitting coach, you need to teach him the finer elements of the swing. But what his body can do naturally is so advanced. And if you look at birthdays on the roster, which I did with my friends when I was watching the series, there's a lot of 2001 and 2002 birthdays. There was only one 2003. So he's the youngest guy by a lot. So I'm saying I would not be surprised if he's like a defensive standout when he reaches the majors, who's an excellent offensive player who fits, but is a glove first outfielder who does like eye popping things. So I kind of went into watching him a little skeptical, but his skills just made my skepticism end Im immediately. He really is a truly electric player. And if you're just looking at the stats, it's for someone like him, it really is just not enough. Yeah, man, there are so many things I can say about Jason Dominguez. Go first ahead. Off, yeah. First off, I agree completely with what you said. I think it's, uh, it's unfair to look at his stats uh, this season. And uh, I think you need to take it with a grain of salt. He's 18 playing against guys two or three years older than him. He held his own in the league. And um, I think I would have picked him over Serta, but I just Serta looked so electric. I wanted to talk about him first. But, yeah, I saw Dominguez play three times, and I agree with everything you just said about him. And what stood out the most to me about Jason Dominguez was his bat speed. Because Ooh. so at Roger Dean Stadium, you can sit right up against, like, where the batting circle is. You can be right in front of the players. So I was sitting there taking pictures of him. And he's just, you know, swinging the bat right in front of me and just like the sound it make and, yeah. it made it, and just like, I've heard it. Yeah. It's just, it's like, just so impressive. And um, he's built really well for an outfielder. And I just think the, the, the hype is so unfair because if he turns out to be like a multi-war player, 
glove first, you know, I don't know if that'll be enough for some people because he's supposed to be like, you know, the next Trout or Mantle. But I really do think he can be an above average major leaguer. Will he meet the hype? I don't know. Uh, but I like the intangibles I saw. I only saw him play three times. So he didn't get a hit in any of those games, unfortunately. That's my luck. But he did hit a ball to the warning track that was really well hit. And I almost thought it was going to get out. Uh, but like you said, makes a lot of hard contact. So I think I think Jason Dominguez uh, is somehow underrated and overrated at the same time because like agree. he's not I don't he's not gonna be Mike Trout good but he's also not like a bust after you know and playing as an 18 year old in the low A Southeast League so it's a very it's a very interesting uh, case we have going on with him and um, I'm gonna move on to talk about some more uh, low A Southeast players. I'm going to do a rapid fire for this part uh, because they're all on the same team. So might as well just talk about them all at the same time. Here's four guys for you. Victor Mesa Jr., Troy Johnston, J.D. or Tanner Allen. So I don't even know who to start with. I'll go in the order I named them in, I guess. Victor Mesa Jr., um, I guess, you know, if if swaggiest baseball player <laughs> was a thing, that's what he would get. He's just – he's got that presence about him, and he's so fun to watch. He's so fun to interact with. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys, when they're in the on-deck circle, they're so locked in. And, like, he, he'll be, like, you know, he's not distracted by the fans, but he's, like, you know, chatting with them and being, like, you know, uh, it's a good balance of, you know, playing while also, you know, acknowledging the fans. He's just so fun to watch. And also, he's a good player. I mean, I feel like every game I saw Victor Mesa Jr., he had a big hit. He had at least three extra base hits of the game. I, games I saw him play, um, and I really like him. He also gave me his bat back in May, so a little bias there. But honestly, impartially Fair. speaking, I'm really high on Victor Mesa Jr. I'm really excited to see what he does in Beloit next year because he definitely deserves a promotion. Um, speaking of Beloit, Troy Johnston uh, played for the Hammerheads back in May, got promoted quickly to Beloit, and there's a lot of people who probably have never heard of Troy Johnston. But, um, man, he's really good. And I think Troy Johnston is probably the Miami Marlins hitting prospect of the year. 17th round pick in 2019 out of Gonzaga. He's 24, so, you know, a little bit older for a prospect. But, man, I mean, 393 on-base percentage in 96 games with Beloit. So that was high. That was after I saw him. 14 home runs, 289 average. This is not, you know, a big-time prospect in name-wise. Like, when you think of the Marlins hitting prospects, you think of Lehman Diaz, you think of Jesus Sanchez, Victor Mesa, Jose Salazar. No one's talking about Troy Johnston outside of Marlins Twitter, and this is a guy who was the best hitter, period, in their system. So definitely had to talk about him. And real quick, I'm going to name, you know, the other two, and then I'll, I'll give you another chance to name some more guys. So J.D. Orr, Tanner Allen. Uh, J.D. Orr, an on-base uh, machine, and he's got a lot of speed. He finished the year, I want to say, in double-A or even triple-A. I know he got promoted at least twice, so um, and he did really well in Pensacola. So that's a guy I was very impressed by. Um, and just his speed on the base path is otherworldly. And finally, real quick, Tanner Allen, uh, the NCAA Player of the Year in 2021, then was drafted in the fourth round by the Miami Marlins. Um, in the early games that I saw him play, there was not a lot to write home about, but in the last game, he went off, he had a home run, he had another base hit, and you can see why he was a crucial part of Mississippi State's World Series win this year, and yeah, that Jupiter's outfield was so good this year. I didn't even realize, right, when you say it like that, I didn't even realize, I didn't think of them, like, together, that, that is a good group. 
I can do two on the same team also, and they're Orioles. And one of them I picked in my mock draft for Prospects Live, Colton Kowser, and the other one, he's more of a, a large corner. And the other one, I give an A plus in center field defense. That is Trendon Craig, who's not a big guy. He's closer to like 5'9", 185, more of a, 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 a quick uh, fly ball pursuer. Now, uh, being someone that pays attention to defense all the time, I look at first step. If your first step is good, everything after it can be good. And if it's bad, most of the things after it are not. His first step skills are truly elite. That's why he's not an A, but an A+. When the ball's in the air, when the bat hits the ball, he knows exactly where to step to go get it. So that just blew me away. That's Trenton Craig. And he profiled as like a two or a three hitter. His OPS was above 1,000, so he was a fine performer for the, for the rookie league. But Kowser, I thought I knew he was going to be good, but he was – it was – like humorous how easy the rookie league was for for him great uh a plate control great patient non-rushed at bats uh very fluid swing and for a tall guy with big hips and big legs really moved well in the outfield and threw the ball two second from the warning track no bounces on a relay so these are the little things that that i see that i'm looking for you know, he's got the star power, but there are smaller parts of his game that show this is a guy that's going to absolutely shoot through the minors so fast. And Oriole fans really need to start thinking about, like, Kowser in the outfield, not so far away from now. Yeah, man, I, I wish I got a chance to see uh, Kowser before uh, he got promoted. Yeah, he's uh, wow, really excited. I remember just, like, I felt like every day I checked Twitter and I would see a tweet from Pipeline, like, hey, another good game from Colton Kowser in the FCL Orioles. So, definitely, I'm glad you mentioned him. And uh, my next two are going to be an, another pair of teammates. They are from the Charleston River Dogs, uh, two Tampa Bay Rays guys. So, first off, uh, the bigger name, the flashier name of the two, Heriberto Hernandez, he was the headliner in the Nate Lowe deal. And I saw him play one game. And he looked really good. He had three hits. Um, I felt like um, everything I thought about him as a hitter uh, was more or less confirmed when I got to see him play in person. I was really high on him as a prospect. And uh, he looked really good as a hitter. Uh, you know, defensively, profiling was going to be kind of tough. He uh, was signed as a catcher. He, he's definitely not a catcher long term. Um, if he's a corner infielder or an outfielder, even a DH, it'll, you know, that's he's going to be one of those positions. I'm not sure which, but uh, that's how he's kind of built um, to play. And uh, the other guy who's arguably more exciting because I feel like very few people talk about him, Diego Infante. Diego Infante was the like the big player at the uh, at the game. He was like the best. Uh, I think I think he was the player of the game. He had like at least three hits, maybe four. And um, this was not an aberration for him. He did this all season. Um, and, you know, I, look, when you're in the Rays farm system, there's so many guys, it's hard to keep track of. But we can't let um, Infante slip under the radar. He had 16 home runs this year, 20 stolen bases, 910 OPS, 307 average. Just in the game I saw him play, 
he played like a player with these kind of stats. Just he just I, there's so many positive things I can say about him. And it's so it's so interesting to me because when I went to the game as like, you know, a Rays fan, there was like like a list of like 10 Rays prospects I was hoping to see, you know, like Taj Bradley, Nick Schnell, uh, Alika Williams. And one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive at that game, besides Bradley, because he pitched five scoreless innings, was Diego Infante. I mean, like, just, I, you know, did not know much about him. And now I'm just really impressed by what I saw from him. My next outfielder, also Ray from the Rookie Leagues. A true leadoff, classic leadoff profile. Someone that I saw in 2019 who was good but now on their rookie league team is, I don't want to say elite, but for the lower minors, truly advanced. Another Hawaiian, Shane Sasaki. Yep. Okay, so he's a high on-base guy, and once he gets the first, he's not, you know, steals our strategy in this league. So he was going as soon, you know, as, as soon as he could. If it was a lefty, maybe he'd wait two or three pitches, but otherwise – He's running, and he was a, a successful base dealer for someone without truly elite base-to-base speed, but just a smart, heady player. And, again, a guy with good outfield instincts. He really looks like a race-type player who has that run prevention mentality, and the offense is starting to expand. Every game I saw, he batted leadoff, and they did a lot of changes in their order, but he was always the leadoff hitter and kind of like – uh Chang I really hoped that he was not in the lineup because he was always kind of just like a pain in the ass type player so he's someone that really represents the the Rays another guy that I'm much more impressed than the average uh person that saw him I just got a text just now that he's playing in the Arizona Fall League that's uh Yankees outfielder Elijah Dunham so I saw him at Tampa He's since been promoted, but he was in the outfield with Dominguez, kind of like being a teacher or a demonstrator to Dominguez, uh, a very loud communicator. He had two extra base hits the night I saw him. And I was sitting with an employee from the Yankees, and I was asking him about him, and he was not giving me the, the hype that other prospects get. So I was like, you know what? I like that guy. So he, he, he would probably be my last – outfielder uh on on the list awesome yeah so i guess i'll round it out uh with two final outfielders and before i do honorable mention eloy jimenez i saw eloy jimenez oh, uh the he's good yeah white Sox silver slugger uh rehab with the charlotte knights um so you yeah, know that was pretty exciting but not really a prospect so i don't need to talk about him everyone should know eloy jimenez but uh people may not know Matt Koperniak and Tommy Jew of the Palm Beach Cardinals, two good hitters. First off, Matt Koperniak, uh, fun fact, he's from London. So um, not many uh, English baseball players that I've seen in the minor leagues, but he's one of them. And um, the dude just simply hits. Like, I feel like I saw him play, I want to say, three or four times before he got called up to um, – to Peoria and uh, and then so and then he got called up again to Springfield but he just he hit every game and um not a lot for power he only had seven home runs all year but he got a lot of base hits so it just stood out to me like I felt like he was never like a huge power threat but I always felt like okay Koperniak's up 
this is a guy who can definitely get on base. So I was very impressed by him. And then real quick, another Palm Beach Cardinal who I was impressed with was Tommy Ju. So uh, his stats may not be the flashiest um, at all for um, a uh, just in general. I mean, he had a 320 on base percentage, five home runs, and 11 stolen bases in 54 games at the Palm Beach Cardinals, which is solid, but obviously not like incredibly good. But I just felt like in the games I saw him play, he just looked really good. Like as a hitter, he made some Yeah. And um, I, I was most impressed with him on the base paths. I felt like he had really good awareness um, when there was fly balls hit. He knew when to tag up, when to not. And look, he was not, he was not great in Peoria after his promotion, but he's still, you know, he's still 23. He'll be 24 next season. You know, he gets one more shot, I think. Um, you know, maybe he can make some adjustments and be a, a solid player. Uh, but just in general, I really liked what I saw from him. And there's there's still a couple more outfielders I can name. Uh, real quick, I'll just say Stuart Baroa. Um, I know you've seen him fast. Play. Yeah, one of, one of the fastest players I've seen all year. Uh, also, a fun fact, he gave me his broken bat at the game I saw him. So that was pretty cool. And um, – the very last player I'll talk about is Everson Pereira of the Yankees. He just, I mean, there's so many good things I could say about him. Unfortunately, I only got to see him have like one or two at bats uh, because of the circumstances that I saw him, but he did look good. And um, just if there's a prospect uh, that you want to get to know, I think Everson Pereira is a guy people should research because man, he had a good season. It seems like everything considered, even with some of the star power, the infielders that we saw were just the list is, is just better overall than the, than the outfielders. Um, but another thing, one, one thing that I wanted to discuss uh, finally was how easy it was for both of us to, to do what we did this year. The, the venues that I went to primarily were Bradenton and the Orioles uh, Rookie League Stadium, their spring training stadium. But access was, if not free, most of the time tickets are extremely cheap and the players there really appreciate the support. Uh, I mentioned to you that going to, to Tampa in Port Charlotte, their facility was easy. You said Fort Myers, it's not exactly around the corner from you, but people should know that what we did over the last couple months, you really don't have to like change your life to do it. You can kind of fit your life around doing it very often. And it, I mean, all the guys that we named, all the skills that we saw, it's just not that difficult to do it. I, I wish that there were more people like us encouraging others to do kind of like what we did. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad you uh, mentioned that. It's a good thing to talk about. I think uh, I hope that a lot of people and families start going to minor league baseball games, especially in Florida, because they're so easy to go to. I mean, I went to at least 10 games at Roger Dean Stadium this year, and uh, I think an adult ticket's like nine, 10 bucks, a child ticket's like six or seven. They have a deal for students uh, sometimes. They have a deal for silver sluggers. If you're over 55, you can get a ticket package. And obviously, if you get season tickets, they're discounted. Um, and even AAA with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, it's not like you're paying a lot of money to go to these games. Um, and of course, Florida Complex League, the one you primarily, primarily go to, I went to a game there as well. It's free. And 
honestly, I love the vibes at an FCL game where you're like one of like 10 people in the crowd. You can hear everything. And especially since it was at uh, JetBlue Park, it's a giant stadium. So it's just such a fun place to watch a baseball game. And I think that more people should do it because like you said, you don't have to change your lifestyle or your life that much to go to these kind of games because it's they're pretty accessible. I remember Kobe hit a home run off that off that fake Fenway and it was so loud and it was a double. And then later he hit one or oh later he hit one over it. So yeah. a lot of good venues, a lot of a lot of good memories, a lot of good players, and really like the second the season was over, I wanted to do something like this. But I'm really already like talking to guys in the Dominican, like, are you looking forward to next year yet? You know, what do you what what is your program? What are you trying to do? When are you coming back? <laughs> so it's like I, I want it to continue, but I, I know that next year it'll kind of be something similar. I hope that there's a few more than 10 people or less at the uh, at the rookie games that I go to. I hope yes, to see I more fans. Thank you all for listening. This has been Bailey and Eric of the Florida Prospect Report. Stay tuned for more new episodes.